0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the CM360 Podcast. I'm Richard Steen, and Chief Research Analyst at IT Harvest. I write books on IT security, work with IT security technology providers on their go-to-market, and I'm a trusted advisor to VCs and private equity firms. IT Harvest is an industry analyst firm that covers over 3,600 vendors in the IT security industry. In today's episode, I'm joined by Richa Priyanka, who's Solutions Architect at Palo Alto Networks, and we're here to discuss using threat intelligence effectively in incident investigation. Welcome, Richa.
1: Thanks for having me here, Richard.
0: Uh, This is such a good topic and near and dear to my heart because I spend a lot of time looking at uh, threat intelligence in the world. But you can fill in a lot of gaps in my understanding on how threat intelligence is actually used in a SOC. Um, so, so start off by talking about what the role of threat hunting in the SOC, you know, security operations center, is.
1: Threat hunting. I mean, I usually see several different definitions being thrown around, but I think it's the iterative investigation of forensic evidences and just going through uh, all of the logs and data that we collect uh, quite often with our security tools to discover any advanced threats that we weren't able to find out using the existing solutions. Now, uh, if you're familiar with the SOC, then you already know that uh, we have you know at least a dozen different security sensors these days uh, that are pushing different uh, event logs and other data um, into our platforms and at the end of the day we have thousands of these logs uh, and that we synthesize and convert into alerts no matter how well configured these tools are and no matter how much we trust our detection logic it's I think it's quite important to look beyond the alerts that are getting fired and to kind of investigate a little bit deeper to understand what are we missing in the entire process. And threat threat hunting essentially just helps with that. Um, Typically, uh, SOC teams that are... um, able to handle most of their day-to-day incidents and alerts, they start looking at, hey, what's going on uh, behind the scenes that I'm missing out? And uh, you'd notice that uh, a lot of SOCs with medium and high maturity uh, have threat hunting kind of built into their operations. Even uh, at Palo Alto, uh, our team dedicate, our internal SOC team dedicates uh, at least 30% of their time on just hunting activities to find out and surface anything that was undiscovered by... Um, the rest of the security infrastructure that we have deployed
0: now it always seems to me that while a lot of socks you know would like to do threat hunting they're so busy just responding to all the alerts which involves some of the same activities right you you've got an alert you got to figure out what happened and who it is and what are they trying to do next that so it's a little bit like threat hunting um but do you do you find that only a small percentage of socks are actually doing threat hunting
1: no, absolutely. Um, usually, you know, uh, you can you can call uh, the reactive investigation, um, threat hunting, or forensics as well. Uh, so that's why a larger number of SOC teams report that they perform threat hunting. But we notice that uh, it's a very small fraction of SOC teams that are proactively and iteratively going into their environment and actually investigating threats. Uh, one of the major problems here is that. Uh, Unlike incident investigation and response, which kind of follows a very well-defined uh, process and uh, it's, it's, it's still easier uh, to conduct if you're looking at uh, younger analysts who are kind of very early in their career, threat hunting requires uh, very highly skilled professionals who've probably been working for a few years, who understands all of these systems in and out, and who can truly understand what's an anomaly, what's malicious, and what's just normal behavior. And... Uh, with the constant churn in SOC these days, it's very difficult to have and retain employees who who would even be able to do that consistently. And then, of course, like you mentioned, their most of their time is just used in investigating incidents that are coming in every single day. So it's quite difficult to get around to hunting for threats um, besides the incidents that you're looking at.
0: Uh, right, right. Would Would it be fair to say that the Uh, incident analysis is triggered by uh, an alert uh, coming from one of those sensors you mentioned, but threat hunting is triggered by the threat intelligence feeds, right? It's like, hey, there's a team and they're actively using this new exploit and here's the IOC, and then you go see if they're active on your network.
1: Absolutely. I think uh, your incidents... On the other side, I also think that the alerts are... uh, Instances where we were already quite aware that something like this could happen. And then an alert came firing through because we had a detection logic in place. Whereas the other side of it, the the threat intelligence and the threat hunting uh, fused together. It helps us kind of look at things that are quite new and unknown for us as well. Uh, So more emerging threats.
0: Give me a feel for those sorts of threat intelligence feeds that are you know the most critical to this because there's a lot right there's uh, i think i count 122 threat intelligence vendors and of course you know there are hundreds of uh, kind of free feeds right open source feeds
1: yeah um honestly i uh, i see that most of our customers uh, use several different threat intel sources these days uh at Polo, we do have our own threat researchers from Unit 42 who perform deep dive investigations and find these emerging threats. And at the end, they provide detailed reports to the industry uh, for consumption. And this is something that we offer built as a built-in component uh, to our SOC products. And we noticed that customers couple this with a few popular threat feeds. Um, you have the CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike Falcon Threat Intel, out there you have Recorded Future, FireEye Eyesight, and a few other popular vendors um, that we often see. And then on the other side, we have a combination of different real-time enrichment sources, like VirusTotal, AlienVault, and several others. You're right, it's at least a few hundreds. And then Coupled with that, something um, something else that that I've seen a growing adoption of is uh, the standardized frameworks like MITRE ATT&CK. And uh, in the past, I did not see as many organizations use um, ISACs and certs, but I've I've noticed that more more and more of them have started relying on um, their industry ISACs uh, to consume intelligence from them as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and as a matter of fact, a lot of the. Uh, um... Threat intel feeds are making themselves available to those ISACs um, for redistribution and analysis and collation and all the rest. Um, so, Reach Out, what is the role of thread hunting in the SAC, or in security operations in general?
1: I see a lot of different uh, definitions thrown around uh, for what thread hunting is. So, I would like to just uh, start with my own. Um, I think threat hunting is the iterative process of looking through forensic evidences and logs and a lot of security data that we collect over time to discover advanced threats that we were not able to catch with the existing security solutions that we have in place. Now, today we know that almost all of the organizations have at least a dozen different security sensors that are uh, pouring in logs and event data um, for their investigation and response team to consume. But no matter how much we trust our detection tools, I think it's quite important to look beyond the alerts that are getting fired. And threat hunting enables us to do that. At Polo, our SOC team dedicates at least 30% of the time just hunting um, and looking for uh, any undiscovered threats that were missed by the existing security controls that we have. Besides that, we also offer threat hunting services with our Unit 42 team to discover such attacks in our customer's environment. And just a few months ago, Unit 42 helped a very large consulting firm to investigate the presence of a sophisticated threat actor group named Sog Coalition. Um, This actor group leverages drive-by downloads that often masquerades as software updates to trick compromised website visitors into executing malware. This is something that can be very easily missed out by the existing um, detection rules and sensors that you have in place. So our team went in and performed a very in-depth investigation in the customer's infrastructure, and they came back with several different recommendations that could help the organization prevent any impending attack. This is just one example, but uh, essentially, a well-functioning SOC should do an activity like this in an iterative manner to discover everything that they are missing out uh, frequently.
0: Which brings me to the next question: You mentioned, you know, some of the feeds that Palo Alto uses. Um, what are you using to automate the threat hunting at Palo Alto? Is it just as good example of what a uh, mature SAC is doing in threat hunting?
1: Mm-hmm. Our, um, actually, our SOC is responsible for protecting over 17,000 users all over the globe. And uh, that ends up uh, culminating to, you know, more than 400 different servers and VMs and several different endpoints and things like that. And to do all of this, you would imagine that we should have a really big group of people uh, actively working to, you know, investigate incidents and perform hunting but we only have about 22 full-time employees uh, that are performing all of the day-to-day SOC operations. So naturally, we use automation quite heavily in our SOC. We have um, tools like XIM, XIM, uh, co- from Palo Alto that ingests logs from all across network, endpoint, cloud, and other sensors, and uses machine learning to kind of stitch everything together and provide a complete view um, for the SOC whenever they are looking at any incidents. And then we couple that with automation that comes from Cortex-Xor, where we have predefined playbooks to automatically investigate and respond to incidents that are coming in. So the first thing that this does is it frees up the SOC and it gives them a lot of time to actually look at anything besides investigation and alert analysis, right? So they, even though we get about, um, we get billions of um, alerts and events every single day, the SOC ends up effectively only looking at about seven or eight incidents um, on a given day. So most of the uh, SOC team is quite focused on threat hunting activities. And then uh, we've also had the time to automate a big bulk of that. So here for uh, for automating threat hunting and for discovering any unknown threats in our environment, we focus first on finding instances of known tactics and techniques that are exploited by threat actors. And for this, we leverage the MITRE framework very, very heavily. Um, So first in XIM, we look at any low and informational behavioral indicators, and we use all of that data for our structured hunting practices. And secondly, we use everything that is surfaced with the help of analytics for more unstructured and uh, more in-depth hunting. Besides that, we also automate a lot of this by using playbooks. And these playbooks essentially have pre-built queries that are used to go into all of these different tools. And... um, make searches to understand if, uh, let's say, a particular um, attack vector is being exploited across um, any of these machines or not. And then we we have these searches predefined, we pull data from across different products, and then we can record all of the results um, in a case management type interface as well. Uh, So at the end, we are able to completely automate any bulk querying or going through like 5, 10 different sources and getting all of the data and uh, uh, processing all of that data. And then secondly, we are also able to uh, look at you know more than 16, 17 different types of indicators across um, 30 different uh, forensics data sets and do that completely automatically by using the playbooks in XOR.
0: Wow. So that's probably the best statistics I've ever heard Um, for a SOC operations team is from billions to seven or eight a day. Do, do you have any, um, uh, I guess, proactive, you know, as you keep encountering certain threats and you have to take certain steps through SOAR to counter them? um, Do you also change, you know, infrastructure and configuration settings in that process? So you, you know, basically you've found a new, a new way to be exploited and you're closing the door on, future attackers
1: absolutely actually um our sock uh we talk quite openly about this as well because we believe that you know if 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 you're doing something that's working for us then that's something that um we should be able to share with everyone else and also in the process maybe we'd get to learn a lot more um similar lessons from uh, from other companies as well we do dedicate a significant um, amount of our analyst time on uh, alert improvement. So, I mentioned earlier that uh, our SOC team focuses on a very few incidents, so they have a lot of time to look at threat hunting. But essentially, they've divided their operations into three different uh, chunks. The first, yes, it is incident handling, the second is threat hunting, and the third, the 30% of their time, it goes into just alert improvement. So, that's like you said, that's looking at, hey, these are the different things that we were able to uncover during threat hunting, or maybe uh, these are the new attack techniques that we find um, by looking at a new threat campaign uh, recently and then using that information to then go in and uh, improve our detection rules to make sure that any behavioral uh, indicators of compromise in the future can pick them up and mark them as alerts uh, so that they can be actioned on a lot sooner.
0: That's awesome. Uh, one of the things that's being talked about an awful lot in recent weeks and months is applying uh, AI to reducing the, uh, you know, one, reducing alert load, but two, doing threat hunting. Uh, and it, in theory, it sounds great. We're just going to give all this data to uh, apparently a large language model, and it will be able to discern what's happening. What, what's your take on just that AI in general?
1: Um, so, I I honestly think that hey, first thing is we we're already doing a lot of it. Um, if you look at uh, most of the aggregator tools that are getting data from multiple different sensors, um, processing terabytes and petabytes of information, um, and doing some level of stitching, doing some level of correlation, and bringing you incidents that has uh, information. Uh, kind of bundled in from many different events that have happened over a course of time, that's already not possible without AI. You need some level of machine learning uh, to be able to process that data um, in any meaningful manner. So uh, in part, we are already there. We are already using AI and machine learning to um, improve our detection and to improve the quality of our searches and to improve um, the data that we get at the end of stitching and correlation. But on the other side, we also see that attackers, of course, they they keep up, right? And they've started using automation and AI and specifically generative AI to create uh, new and different attack payloads. And I definitely see uh, the industry also moving in to adapt to that. And eventually we would see more... Um, we, we would see the AI being used a lot more in predictive analytics to hopefully anticipate future threats, to look at uh, and investigate or maybe surface potential attack vectors, not things that have already been abused, and uh, hopefully to help organizations even prioritize their defenses and um, and response strategies. So I, I, I think it's going to be uh, imperative that we rely on AI because our attackers are definitely going to do that.
0: Yeah, which brings up the next question. One of the things that worries me the most is the attackers will get really good at automating their attacks, and the you know the metric a lot of socks use to measure their own performance is uh, you know mean time to remediate, mean time to discover, etc. Um, if those mean times switch to needing to be you know, minutes instead of days and weeks like they are today. Uh, because the attackers are going to automate their attacks, just programmatically, just set them off and extract data whenever they want it. Um, you know, how can we prepare for having automated responses when most organizations still take you know over a week to do a firewall rule change?
1: I mean, that's a good question. I, I feel like one of the one of the key things that uh, like even before automation was introduced to um, the incident response and investigation teams, uh, one of the things that we should have uh, worked on solidifying was the processes. If you have really well-structured, defined playbooks for your own team uh, that they follow whenever a certain scenario comes up, then it's much easier to automate uh, those scenarios as well. So we've we've noticed that even though uh, automation tools have been out there for a while, uh, it takes. It takes a significant amount of time for uh, organizations to onboard uh, a big chunk of their workflows onto these tools. And it's just about operationalizing the existing workflows, actually going into the processes and seeing um, and finding out ways in which they can be made a lot more structured and well defined, and then converting them into playbooks and uh, hopefully starting to automate a big chunk of that. Um, Platforms like XOR and other um, orchestration tools help really um, quite a lot in achieving this. But on the other side, um, that's where I think threat intelligence and uh, potentially in the future, some level of AI and predictive analysis would help because um, with threat intel, we're able to help the organizations understand that, hey, if you're receiving these let's say, 100 different incidents in a given day, um, these are some of the incidents that have a few indicators of compromise or techniques that we consider to be malicious or were reported as, um, let's say, an IP address that was reported as being used by um, this major threat actor. So maybe prioritize investigating that before you look at you know, several other incidents that are sitting lower in the queue. So that could also, uh, it's about improving your defenses one step at a time and A lot of these things really help with that. And hopefully in the future, as um, and we're also seeing some of it already with analytics being baked in into detection tools. But in the future, hopefully, AI is able to um, help us a lot more in um, predicting and prioritizing the incidents that we need to look at and um, the attack vectors that we need to investigate when we are even going for um, our hunting, hunting activities.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Richa. I really appreciate you coming on. Also, thank you to everyone listening. We hope you took a lot away from today's podcast. For further information on what we've talked about, then please head on over to paloaltonetworks.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to em360tech.com.